Amen, amen. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord here tonight. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn over to the book of Genesis chapter 6. I want to concur with the announcements. What an incredible service we had this last Sunday. We had 19 or 20 visitors with us on Sunday. I think God's trying to let us know that, that, that something's working, that he's moving, that he's interested in reaching. Amen? So it was a wonderful time. And then also, uh, for those that were not able to make it, it was our vision-giving pledge service. And uh, many uh, were able to fill out their pledge cards and turn them in. But we have more in the back in the foyer. Uh, if you didn't have an opportunity to fill one out or maybe you lost yours or you were thinking about it through the week, uh, make sure you just fill one of those out, and then uh, uh, you can you can uh, put it in the offering um, on Sunday. Just drop that off, and then we'll get a final. Once we have a final count, we'll announce to the church uh, what we pledged. Uh, because if Sunday told us anything, uh, God can fill up the building in one 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 service. Amen. We had 20 visitors or so, and uh, and I counted 20 saints out. So. We were jam-packed, and we were missing 20 of our own people that are usually here uh, that are out sick or out traveling. And so uh, we definitely, we're moving forward. Amen. God's, God's church is expanding. Amen. Genesis chapter 6. I'm going to continue uh, with what I've been teaching and preaching. Uh, we're talking about the expanding kingdom this year, and we're talking about expanding through excellence. Everybody say Excellence. You'll probably get sick of that word before, I'm, before I die and go to heaven. Hallelujah. Excellence. Uh, and Genesis chapter 6, verse 14. Let's go ahead and read that. The Bible says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms out shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with the lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. Skipping down to verse number 22. Bible says, Thus did Noah according to some that God commanded him. According to a little bit, what he thought was good, what fit his agenda, all that God commanded him, so did he. And I want to teach, preach to us for a few moments on this subject. Excellence is in the details. Excellence is in the details. Would you set your Bibles down, lift up your hands, let's pray all across the building. Come on, the Holy Ghost is already in this house. God is already moving. We love you, Jesus. We glorify you, God. We praise you. Pray, God, help me to speak, God, to your people. Help me to minister your word, to teach your word, God. But give us ears to hear and a heart to respond and a life to live the very word of life, God. And we're going to give you the glory and the praise and all of the honor in the name of Jesus. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise and a shout of victory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're good. Hallelujah. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell him God bless you, and then you can... You can be seated in the name of Jesus. 
excellence is in the details. The Bible lets us know that God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And as God began to move, God began to speak, and God began to create. And everything was perfect in its creation. After every creation, the Bible says that God saw that it was good. And then God created man, and, and he saw that it was good. And then he saw that he created woman, and he said it was very good. Hallelujah. Us men just got the good. Hallelujah. But it was through this that everything God creates is good. But man has a way of taking what God has made good and turning it around. But can I tell you that God works all things together for our good. It doesn't matter what you've done wrong. God can turn what is evil and make it good. God can erase. God can forgive. God can wash every mistake. Amen. And, and, and Adam and Eve went and did what they knew was wrong and thus plummeted the world into sin. And this Sunday we're going to start, we're going to continue on with our to-be-continued service uh, uh, teaching, and I'm going to be talking about sin. We're going to, we're going to go through it from an educational biblical perspective, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But, but you see that, that Adam and Eve messed up, and they made a mistake. They tried to cover it up. It didn't work. And then they birthed Cain, and then they birthed Abel. And Cain already has the seed of wickedness in his heart. And he kills his brother Abel. And now you've got murder. You've got stealing. You've got, you've got disobedience. And now you've got murder in the Bible. And there's a lot of things we'll talk about on Sunday. But, but as, as it's being done, you see the progression. Or, or really, you see all of mankind going down, 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 down. Everything God created was good, but man is now taking it to a place that is not good. And, and the Bible says right before we hear about Noah that the earth had become corrupt and full of violence. Because when man gets their carnal hands on the things that God creates, they start making uh, devices for war when they were meant to be used for other things. And they start looking how they can kill their brother when instead they should be looking how they could bless their brother. And, 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 and it becomes wicked. It becomes corrupt. And the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. We are not living in a culture that's got everything together. Uh, we've, we've, we've just seen it. You, you, you go ahead and read the news anytime at all. You're going to start seeing that this world is not getting better. It's getting worse. And that's, I'm not a doom and gloom preacher, but I am a reality preacher. And I want you to know that, that this, they can't legislate morality. It doesn't work. You can't vote morality in. Uh, it just, that's not how things work. When you try to do things humanistically, it will never get better. It will only get worse. There's not one, 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 uh, one political party. I don't care if you're Republican or you're a Democrat. You can't, you can't fix it through your party or through your man or through your lady. You can't fix it by who you vote on. Now, do your duty and do your civil just uh, rights. But I'm telling you, there's, there's something about this that, that man has a way of thinking it's right, and it only gets worse. And much like it was in the days of Noah, it's already becoming. But even in that day, the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And even in the midst of wickedness, I want you to know that there's going to be a church. Amen. 
even in the midst of abortion, euthanasia, in the midst of, uh, of absolute chaos, they don't know what gender they are anymore, confusion and, 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 and absolute upheaval, I want you to know that there will be a people that find the grace of God. There will be a people that in the midst of all wickedness, they will stand up and they will, they will rise in judgment against their very culture. That there will be people that love God. There will be people that fear God. There will be people that serve God. Hey. Don't let the devil lie to you and say the church is going down. I've come to let you know the world might be going down, but the church is going up. Hey, the church is not the, the church is not shrinking. It's not getting smaller. People are getting the Holy Ghost on a daily basis all across the world. God is reaching people. This come on, it's happening here. God is moving. God is God is affecting our region. Amen. And there's people that are being called by God. and They're finding grace in the eyes of God. And I'll preach on this a lot in the coming years. But, but what was that grace? What was that grace? To many they would say that grace was salvation. That I received grace, therefore I'm saved. For by grace are you saved and not of yourselves. It is a great gift of God, Ephesians 2 and 8. And they would say that it was grace that saved Noah. But I've got to let you know. That according to the Bible, I'll tell you what that grace was. That grace was a word from God. That grace for Noah was a word from God to tell him how to build an ark for the saving of his household. I don't want anybody to get it twisted what the grace of God is. The grace of God is not permission to do wrong. The grace of God is permission to do right. The grace of God is the favor and the power of God to live right. It is the power of God to do what you know is right according to his word and to follow his word. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. The Bible says that he built an ark for the saving of his household. Now, you read your Bible, and you'll find that he had his children when he was 500 years old. And God called him at that moment to build because now he was no longer by himself now he was no longer just going to save him and his wife he was not looking just to save himself uh, and not to save anybody else but once he was a father God called to him and told him you got to build an ark because I'm gonna flood this whole earth and he told him in advance that your sons and their wives now there's no biblical proof they were old enough to be married or that they had wives yet but God was letting them know that what you are investing in right now what you are building right now will affect your children it will affect your grandchildren it will affect their spouses I want to tell you what we're building right here in Carson City. We're not just building something that's going to be here today and gone tomorrow. We're not just building something that's just going to save us for and no more and just get us to heaven and everybody else is lost. No, what we're building is going to stand the test of time. What we're building is going to save your children. It's going to save your grandchildren. It's going to save your great-grandchildren. So I got 
got news for the church. We got to keep building. I got news for the church. We still got work to do. We still got a job. Oh, somebody praise him. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands and magnify Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not just building this for me. I'm building this for my unborn children and for their children. We're building the church so everybody can be saved. Oh, hallelujah. You've got to realize that when you come to church, you're not just coming to church for yourself. You're not just building a life living for God for yourself. You're doing it for your children. I don't have kids yet, but I will. What I have done for the last 17 years living for God, I wasn't married, and I made it up in my mind. I'm going to live as if I was going to get married tomorrow. Some young men say amen. I'm going to live for God because I'm going to build something that my wife can live for God in. I'm going to live for God so that I can build something my children can be saved in. And I'm going to put all my energy and effort, and I might have to sacrifice, and it might cost me something, and, and it might have long days and lonely nights, and it might be hard at moments, and it might feel like I'm the only one doing it, but I'm not doing it for just me. I, I've got somebody else in my vision. Amen, church, we got to have our eyes wide open and realize it might not be just for us, but there's somebody that's going to come in the building on Sunday, and what we've been building all week long, they're going to pray through at this altar. They're going to get a hold of God at this altar, but it only comes when people build it right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And he built this ark at 500 years old. He started, the Bible lets us know, Blood came when he was 600 years old. A long time building an ark. And in that moment, God, go, God gave him specific instructions. The materials that he had to use was gopher wood. Not oak, not cedar, not pine, not redwood, nothing else, not evergreen. God was not interested in him just using whatever he thought would be the best suited for the job. God told him exactly what materials to make because God cared about the materials that he was using. And then God told him, you're going to build it this many cubits long and this many cubits high. And, and Noah probably didn't know what a cubit was, just like we don't know what a cubit is. Hallelujah. But, but he heard from God, and God said it better be this many dimensions. It's got to be 50 cubits. It's got to be 300 cubits. And, 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 and he had to make sure that his measurements were not off because God cares about material. And God cares about measurement. Amen. And, and, and it comes down to this. What are we building our lives on? How are we building? The Bible says whether it be gold, silver, hay, or stubble. God said every man's work will be judged. And what materials you use in your life is up to you. But when the fire comes. Anybody remember the old nursery rhyme about the three little pigs? One built it with hay and the other one built it with sticks and and then the finally, the last one built it with bricks. And when that big bad wolf came by and he blew on the house, the only house that stood was the one that got the brick and the mortar. And listen, it takes a lot longer of a time to build something right. It takes a, that you can have a party tomorrow if you build it wrong. But I'm going to tell you, you'll live through the week if you build it right. 
If you build your family right and you build your house right uh, and you get it to the right dimensions uh, and you don't mess with the materials, uh, if God said holiness matters, uh, let guess what, honey? Holiness matters. Uh, if God said you got to be baptized in his name, uh, there's no other way. We got to do it God's way. Uh, we got to hold on to God's word. Uh, we've got to follow it all the way. So he used all the, all the materials that God said to use. Didn't use anything else. Because remember, the last verse we read, he did everything, all that God commanded. And he took the materials God told him to use, and he took the dimensions God told him to make. And then he was told by God to pitch it within and without. This is for all those that say, well, God only cares about the heart. Let me just preach real nicely to you. Uh, God Listen, Jesus said if you clean the inside of the cup, the outside will get clean too. I believe it ought to start on the inward. It really should. Anybody who just says, well, we're going to go ahead. I've been to churches like this, and I don't agree with it either. We're going to have sleeves down to our ankles, and we're going to go ahead, and everything's going to look great on the outside. But just because it looks good on the outside doesn't mean you got it right on the inside. But I've also been to enough places that see the external as being nothing more than bondage and saying we don't need that and we should just throw that away. It doesn't really matter. And they say, well, let's just rip out this verse of the Bible, this page of the Bible, and God only cares about my heart. I've come to let you know if, if Noah would have only put the pitch on the inside and said God only cares about my heart, when the water came, when the floods descended, I want you to know the water Water on the outside of the boat would have made its way to the inside of the boat. And if Noah would have said, no, I'm going to just say all that matters is how I look on Sunday. All that matters is how I look when I come to church, when everybody sees me. When the waters descended, the same thing would have happened. That water on the outside would have made it to the inside. And instead of floating up, he would have sank down. Oh, somebody praise him. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it matters. It matters how you build. It matters how you build. You got to build the church right. You got to build your family right. Hey, I know it's not a popular message, but I'll tell you, until Jesus Christ comes back, we've got a mandate to build the church and to prepare his bride according to the word of God, not according to preference. Not according to politics, not according to what we think would work best and what is right in our own eyes. We've got a mandate from heaven to build the church that's a holy church, that's without spot and without wrinkle. It's God's bride. It's God's church. Somebody lift up your hands and magnify him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There was to be only one window well I want a little more natural light well if he would have done it his own way when the waters came down then all those windows would have let in a lot of extra water and the boat would have sank he wanted there to be one window I don't have time to preach about this but I'll tell you why God wanted one window it's perspective God doesn't want 50 different perspectives in the church 
I didn't even say it's my perspective. Uh, God doesn't want 50 different perspectives. Well, I like it this way, and, and brother so-and-so likes it that way. Uh, you need to throw your perspective out the window and your opinion out the window because we're not building your church or my church. We're building God's church. Somebody said amen and give God some praise. God was so interested that when they looked, they only had one place to look. He said, when you look out this window and you get sick and tired of being in the ark and it starts to stink and there's animals in the ark and every, everybody starts rubbing you wrong and you don't like people anymore, uh, I want you to just go ahead and get up that third story uh, and look out that window uh, and you'll start seeing, uh, wow, it sure is a lot better in the church than it is in the world. He wanted you to have the right perspective. Wow, you know what? We built this thing just right. I may not always like it. It may not always match my preference. But guess what? We're going above the waters, not under the waters. You know what? It actually ain't too bad in the church. We're going up. They're going down. I, I, I actually think I'm excited to be saved. You know what? I may not like you sometimes, but I'm so glad we're in the church together. You might cause me a little trouble. But I'm glad we're in the church. There might be some issues, but I'm glad we're in the church. We got to have a perspective that says I'm thankful to be saved. Nobody forced me to get on the boat. Nobody tied my hands. I came here willingly. I came here because I wanted to escape what was going on out there. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But I'll tell you why some people want more than one window. Because they're tired of what's in here. And they want more of what's out there in here. But we can't have what's out there in here. That might sound hard, but listen, we're here to reach the world, not become the world. We've got to be the difference. If there's no difference between the church and the world then why don't we all just go to the bar and have a good drink? I've come to let you know there's a difference between the church and the world. And it's a good difference. It's a good difference that in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, everybody else will go down and stay down, but the church is going to meet them in the clouds. And there will be nothing holding you down to this earth because you weren't living for earth anyways. You were living for heaven. You weren't living for this world. You were living for God. And that's what makes the difference. Oh, somebody give him a hand clap of praise and worship him. Thank you, Jesus, for putting me in the church. Thank you, Jesus, for putting me in the kingdom. Hallelujah. He said you got to have one window. We've got we to get beyond the place where our opinion seems to be the most important opinion. I've made it up in my mind. My opinion is not the most important opinion. I want God's opinion. That's why i got to come by the church and i got to pray. Amen. Because I'm telling you, I'm trying to pastor right. And I'm saying, God, I, this is my opinion. But, Lord, if you want to change it, if there's a better opinion, help me to see it. I've got to have the right perspective. And to have the right perspective, sometimes you got to go up a few notches. you got to go from the bottom level up to the top level. you got to be elevated in prayer and look out. And then when you go back down the mountain, when you go back down to the bottom of the boat, you can have the right opinion you can have the right perspective but it comes by going and looking through that one window looking from God's perspective God's point of view he said this Noah there's going to be one door and this is for all those that think that there's many ways to heaven 
God was setting the precedent all the way in Genesis. There is only one way. There's only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There is only one way to be saved. And if you ever think that you can get to heaven another way, well, I'll just go to heaven without the ark. I'll go ahead and go to heaven without the church. I'm telling you, if you're going to go to heaven, you got to get on the boat. And if you're going to get on the boat, we all got to go through the same way. We all got to be baptized in the same name. We all got to know the same God. There's not more, more than one way. There is only one way. And Noah, I know it would be a lot easier to get all the animals on the ark. You could sure fill that ark up a lot faster. You cut a few more holes in it. But when the flood comes, you'll sink. We're not looking to fill up the ark so much as we are to see people saved in the ark. Hallelujah. Many probably mocked Noah just for building the ark. They'd never seen rain, had no idea about judgment, had no idea that a flood was coming or that there was such a thing as a flood. And Many mocked him just for building the ark. But then I'm sure there was others that came by and said, well, I get it, but you don't have that big of a family, Noah. You should build the ark a little smaller. Why do you got to build it so big? And, and why do you need gopher woods? You know, there's other trees around you that would be a lot easier to use. You know, you don't have enough light in that there church and that ark. You need a little more revelation. Let's share with you uh, that there's more than one way. You probably should cut a few more doors in that if you're trying to build a massive boat that everybody can get on. And, and they started mocking Noah. And then as the years went on, on, they started mocking him saying do you really have to spend that much time building your boat he started at 500 and the floods came when he was 600 he started when his kids were born and then probably did it by himself for a while nobody wanted to help him but eventually his sons got on board and started helping him and he built that ark as exactly with all the commandments of the Lord in mind. And I'll tell you why he took so long to build it and why he built it just like God said. Because when 600 years was up, when that 100-year period was up and he was 600 years old, when the floods descended, when everybody went under the flood, that ark began to float above the flood. It matters how you build. Well, I don't think it really matters, Noah. Noah got a revelation. The details matter to God. The details matter to God. Can I preach to the church here for a moment? Well, I don't see why that matters. Why are you pushing that so hard? I'm going to tell you, because we're not building something that's going to last two weeks. I, I, hey, maybe there's some folks that like to jimmy-rig everything. And they believe that duct tape is God. And you can fix everything just by stitching it up with a little duct tape. But we're not here to duct tape the church together. It might get you through a little rain. You might be able to patch your roof up for just one winter storm. But if you're trying to get that thing to last for the rest of your life and your kid's life, you got to make sure you build it right. 
We've got to make sure we take the time. We've got to make sure that we put in the effort. We've got to make sure every detail is in order and every commandment is right. We've got to build it according to all the commandments of the Lord. Would you lift up your hands and let's magnify Jesus. The details matter, church. The details matter. Excellence is in the details. God cares about the details. Revival is in the details. It really does matter. Well, why are you preaching this, preacher? I'll tell you why. Because another enemy of excellence is simply that doesn't really matter. Or... Why do we put so much stock in that? It doesn't really make a difference. I want to tell you, little things make the biggest difference. I'll say it again. The little things make the biggest difference. Somebody once said this. He said, most of everything you do is insignificant, but it's very significant that you do it. You know, if we were to just take one thing out of the ecosystem, everything would fall apart. Everything would collapse. And, and, and it's the same way in the kingdom of God. Well, you know, I, you know, I don't really care about this. We can just go ahead and we won't, we won't put any pitch in this part of the ark, Noah. It doesn't really matter. It, you, know, it, it just, you know, it's just somebody else's preference uh, to make it look pristine like that. Let's go ahead and not care about that. Uh, let's just move it however we want and remove this board and remove this plank. It's all good until the flood comes. Well, my family's all right. We don't really need that, preacher. You know, all those things you're talking about are excellence. We don't really need that. We're doing just fine. Uh, wait until the storm comes. Wait until God wants to flood you with blessings. Hallelujah. Wait until something comes along uh, and you didn't obey the word of God and follow him to every detail. Who here would go to a surgeon that was not attention to detail kind of person? <laughs> well, I don't really think it matters to sterilize my, my, my utensils. Uh, who would go to that surgeon? I don't really think it's important to wash my hands. Who would go to that surgeon? I don't really think I need to stitch them all the way up. I know that sounds funny. We think that's hilarious. But there's a lot of people that live like God, that for God. And they don't want to pay attention to the details because it's little and it's insignificant. Nobody's going to notice it. And, you know, it doesn't really matter how I show up to church as long as I show up to church. You know, if I just showed up my tie over here, off crooked, I'm telling you, there's some people wouldn't care because that's how they live. But there's other folks, it would drive them nuts. It would drive them batty. They'd be looking and, and they'd be saying, preacher, your tie's off. And I'd be trying to convince a sinner who walks in the building uh, about the fact that there's only one way to be saved uh, and I haven't even gotten my tie right. Oh, that doesn't matter, preacher. It doesn't, doesn't really make it. It does make a difference. Uh, and, and it's the little things that make the biggest difference. Uh, and somebody comes in, and, and if they can't trust me on this, uh, how are they going to trust me on salvation? And if they can't trust the church on the little things, uh, how are they going to trust the church uh, on the biggest things? How would you feel if I just showed up to church anytime I felt like it? I'm not preaching tonight. I just don't feel like it. And there's people that will just do that with church and do that with God. I just don't feel like it. And they'll miss their post and miss their position. And they'll miss out on the fact that somebody was going to walk in that building huh, that was going to connect with you. That needed to see your smiling face back in the usher department. And I just showed up 30 minutes late. Do that to your boss every day. 
There's people that won't do things for the world, but they do it for God. And I'm not talking about the positive things. They'll show up 15 minutes early for their church, for, for their job, but they won't do it for God. Oh, I hope I'm not being mean. I'm just being real. It's, it's the details. It's the details. Go ahead and show up to your job interview looking like this. Your, your shirt's all unjagged and your, your coat's halfway off. I want the new job, sir. They don't even care about your qualifications because you're not paying attention to the details. And your boat's sinking and you don't realize it. I know this is funny to some folks. I'm trying to make it a little more palatable. But, but that's how some people live for God. And, 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 and that's not the kind of church we're trying to build around here. We're not just building sloppy agape and show up just however you feel, whenever you feel like it. If you don't feel like it, don't show up. Uh, I'm telling you, if you're going to be used of God in the church, uh, you can't have that mentality uh, that you just do it however you feel. No, we've got to all be in one mind uh, and in one accord. Uh, we've got to have everything common. Uh, we've got to have the same agenda in mind. Uh, we've got to have the details in order. Oh, somebody praise him. Come on, lift up your hands and magnify Jesus. Magnify the Lord. I know that this may not matter to some, but there's people that are getting the revelation right now. The details matter. The details matter. Revival is in the details. We're trying to save our families. And when we look at the church through the right perspective, Noah was not just building a, a beautiful edifice. He was building something that was usable. He was building something that would float. He didn't care about if it was as pretty as everybody else's little out there fishing boat. He was building it to last. He was building it to be sustained. Uh, and the same is true with the church of the living God. We're building it to save our families. We're building it to save our children. We're building it to save our city and to save our region. And so when I come to church, I don't want to come to the come with the mentality, oh, that doesn't really matter. I'll go ahead and, and I'll just, it doesn't matter if the chairs are straight because it doesn't really matter. I'm just going to come in and however I feel like it, we're just going to leave everything out of order and all crazy. And then when people walk into the church, I know this is probably offending some folks, I hope that's okay okay, it should offend us because there should be somebody that says, I'm not just doing this for me. If this was just for me and I thought this was good enough, then that's fine. You can think it's good enough, but I realize it's not about me. It's about the fact that somebody who's on drugs right now is going to sit in this chair and I'm going to make sure it's as lined up as possible. It's just a detail. It doesn't matter, preacher. It's just a detail. That's just your perspective. I'm telling you, it matters. It matters. It matters. Lift up your hands and let's pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand all across the building and lift up our hands. The details matter, church. The details matter. Oh, let's pray. Oh, let's pray. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I know I'm using funny examples, but because nobody here would just throw chairs around. But I'm crazy like that. I like to do stuff like that. 
But there's some folks that'll just, you know, chew gum in church. I know that sounds very petty, but it makes a difference. I just drink my, my soda in the church and dump it on the seats. Brother, a sinner's going to sit there. A visitor. Somebody that's trying to be saved. And I'm going to be real with you. I don't want to sit on a chair that's got gum on it. You know, I, and, and I know that sounds real. Is this all right, Elder? It's all right? It's good? Okay. All right. Just make sure. Elder World is all right? Okay. Just making sure I'm not too far off. It makes a difference. And when we stop treating this like our house, see, that's what I'm going to preach about next time. How you treat your house is how you're going to treat God's house. But but just because it's good enough for your house doesn't mean it's good enough for God's house. we got to come with that, that mentality. This is God's house. This is God's church. Hey, my church is not your church. I know we go here, but this is God's church. And when I come to God's church, I come with excellence. I come with a spirit that says, I want to do my best. When I worship, I don't worship half-heartedly. I'll tell you why, because I don't come to church with half-heartedness. I come with my all. What if the little boy would have just given four of his loaves and a couple of his fish? He just took one back and kept it for himself. I'll tell you what would have happened. Jesus would have multiplied, but not everybody would have ate. Because God's in the details. And God's looking, well, I know it's a little fish, and I know it's a little loaf, and it doesn't really matter to anybody else, but can you give me your all, even in the little things? Because how you treat $10 is how you're going to treat $10 million. And how you treat just the little bit you have is how you're going to treat everything you have. David, anointed to be king, was on the backside of the mountain taking care of little sheep for his father. Oh, David, you're too anointed to be taking care of sheep. Well, that's what I'm doing because my dad asked me to. David, go take some cheese and bread to your brothers. Ah, David, nah, you're too, you're too gifted to be doing that. You're too gifted to be sweeping the church floor. You're too gifted to be picking trash up off of the ground. You got too much going for you, David, to be serving your brothers and opening the door. I know, but but these are my brothers. And, and I care about them. And they're in a battle. And they need refreshment. And I need to take care of them as best I can huh, to make sure that, that, that when they go into the next battle, they'll make it home. Saul's calling for you, David. He wants you to play a, a little nighttime lullaby. David, I know you wrote a lot of songs and you could produce your own material and you could have a big record label but can you sing at church can you sing when nobody knows your name you know I know it doesn't seem like a big deal to you all but I just love playing my heart for God and I don't care who who gets the credit or the glory I just it might not seem like a big deal to everybody else but but those are my sheep and and those are my brothers and this is my ministry and it makes a difference David have a revelation the little things the details and while he's taking cheese and bread to his brothers here comes a giant and David says I'll take care of that do you know why King Saul let him take care of the big giant? He said, because when I was taking care of the little sheep, 
when I was taking care of the details in the church, when I was sweeping the floors and nobody knew my name, I'm telling you, I've lived there. When I was plunging the toilets, not preaching at all, God saw it. And there was a day when a lion came out and a bear came out. And I made it up in my mind. It might seem little to everybody else, but this is my battle. This is my fight. And I fought for that. And Saul saw, you got something I don't have, kid. Because Saul let the little Amalekites go. Saul didn't fight the little battle, but David did. He said, you got the goods, kid. I've come to tell you, church, there's coming a day where the giant's going to show up. And the only people that can kill the giant are those that have fought in the little things, that have fought for the details, that have built their ark right. There's going to come a big storm. There's going to come a great flood. And only those that paid attention to the little things are going to make it through. So tonight, as we lift up our hands, I want to encourage us to find the little areas of our life that God is encouraging us. The world says it doesn't matter. The devil says it doesn't matter. But it matters! I want to open up this altar. I'm telling you, I feel the power of God in this house so strong. I'd make your way down to this altar. This is not an admission of guilt. We've all got little areas. We've all got little things. But as a church, we're coming together in one mind and one accord. We will fight for the little sheep. We will fight for the details. We will fight for the little things because every little thing is attached to something bigger. Every little thing's attached to something greater. Fight for the little things. Build for the little things because there's coming a day where you're going to need that battle. Somebody pray. Somebody pray. It does matter. It does matter. It does matter. It does matter. there's areas God's been speaking to you and it seems small and insignificant but just obey the word of God there's things your father's been telling you to take care of and you want to let it slip but don't fight for the details fight for the little thing God's got a ministry for you God's got a purpose for you and it's attached to the little thing
let's hit all across the building. God is moving. God is moving. We're making a declaration as a church. The little things matter. The details matter. And when the little things matter, big things are possible. When little things matter, big things are possible. They're inevitable. Great things are coming to ARC. Great things are coming to the Revival Church of Carson City.